Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today's Tiger for Life podcast, featuring Washita graduate Hannah Pilcher from the class of 2013, was recorded live from Jones Performing Arts Center as part of Washita's weekly chapel service. Hannah shares about her nine years as resident director of Francis Crawford Hall, stories from life in the dorm, her faith journey and how her faith influences her service at Washita, her favorite Washita memories, and her love for chocolate chip cookies and the calf. And you got applause. Oh, <laughs> How many of you love Hannah Pilcher in this room? <laughs> now, a lot of you have probably lived in the building with Hannah. If, you're, if you've been a female on campus, most of you have been through Francis Crawford Hall with this amazing RD uh, being in charge of that building. Uh, guys, you're going to get a chance to meet Hannah today. So uh, hang with us and get to know this amazing uh, Washita Tiger for Life. Um, had Tiger for Life week a couple weeks ago, and I don't think there's a better Tiger for Life on campus than you, Hannah. Uh, you have been the resident director. We used to call them dorm moms back when I was here. You've been the resident director of Francis Crawford for nine years. Um, why did you choose to be an RD? Why did you choose Res Life after graduation, and what's led you to stay? Thanks, John, so much. Always such kind words. He's one of my favorite people on campus. So, um, yeah, so honestly... Being an RD was not in my plans um, while I was in school. Um, I actually started my whole, you know, washed up journey as an education major. I wanted to teach high school students. Um, I was secondary education in Spanish. Um, but then kind of something shifted my last semester, and I wasn't able to student teach, unfortunately. Um, so plans, yeah, kind of had to change last minute. But even before that, my friend Allison, she was a year ahead of me at Washita, and she was, during my senior year, one of the RDs in Francis Crawford already. And kind of all year, she had been putting the bug in my ear about Res Life. Um, she had just been like, hey, I love it so much. I think you could love it. I think it could be a great fit for you. Every like couple of months, kind of the whole year, she brought it back up. Um, but I had never been an RA. I didn't like I had had RAs and RDs, but I had not been in res life myself. So anyway, when plans kind of shifted that second semester, um, I started really thinking about it a little bit more and yeah, just kind of came to a place where I was like, I think that this could be something that I could really love or at least learn to love. Um, so kind of at the end of March, I went and talked to some people, found out that there weren't going to be any positions actually for the next year. So then in April, I feel like of my senior year, which I don't know if there's any seniors in here, but sometimes you can kind of fill in limbo at the very end. And I definitely felt that all the way through that month of April. And it was three days before we graduated that I got the call um, from the dean of students. And he said, actually, one of the RDs, their plans shifted and we do have an opening. Um, so I got offered the job three days before I graduated, took it three days after and that's kind of how I even got into Res Life. Um, moved into Francis Crawford six weeks later. And why I've stayed, I guess, is really, it's been really cool to kind of reflect on as I've gotten to share about that before. Um, I think that it, 
it clicked with me a few years in that this job just really aligned so well with what I really feel is like my calling, um, which is just investing in students, investing in others. Um, that's why I had chosen teaching initially was because I was like, oh, I love high school and had really excellent teachers who invested in me so well. Um, and I'll just, you know, I'd love to do the same. And so I had chosen teaching so that I could invest in high school students. So obviously this is just a little different, um, college students. And I was a college student and loved my time here. Um, but yeah, this job just really has allowed me to live life alongside students, um, especially living in the dorm with them. Um, there's nothing like doing your laundry <laughs> with 250 girls. So um, you're really like right there with them. You know, you're not, there's not a lot of space between you, but um, yeah, which is, but it's fun and I really do love it. So, but yeah, I think that that's why I've stayed and I'm nine years going on 10 um, and just has really been something that I know the Lord has allowed me to just use a lot of natural giftings that he's given me and just has been such a really wonderful fit. I didn't really know that I could love working so much. So that's been really neat. That's awesome. You know, over your past you know, almost 10 years here, you've lived with 2,500 girls. All right. That's a few. So I thought we might just put a picture of each of them up on the screen and try to pop quiz and see if you knew their names. Is that good? No, no, no. no. Okay. Don't panic, Nick. We don't have 2,500 pictures for you, Nick. Um, but you've lived with so many girls, got to know so many Washingtonians. Uh, what are some of the things you've loved about that? And what are uh, some fun things you've been able to be a part of in that role? So I think first what I think about is, and James mentioned earlier, I'm not a morning person, but if you know me, you know I'm a night person. And so I think about just those really late night random chats with people, um, those movie nights, usually involving some type of cookie dough or something, you know, um, and I sell that to kind of be funny, but also because those late nights, I mean, I can't even count now how many just really meaningful conversations have come out of those nights and just relationships that I built with students and that now have just become my friends, you know, as they've graduated and left. And I can still think back to the time we sat on my couch for four hours and just talked, you know, and maybe there was a group of people in there. Um, but those are some of my like favorite, like initial memories. Um, I also just think about I've had the chance to work with nine Francie RA staff teams and um, four Georgia Hall staff teams. And doing life alongside my RAs has truly been one of the highlights of my job. Um, just getting to really know those girls super, super well, spending a lot of time with them. I've had some RAs stay on teams for two or three years. And that's just, there's something about getting that second year or third year with someone. Um, you can't really replace time. And I think that's what I've really learned in this job is that the time really counts. You know, quality is so good, but we can't forget about quantity because it's in those moments of just the random small stuff that also you're building relationships that sometimes I think we can think of as really trivial. Um, but I think that it's in its own way just as important as sometimes even those deep talks that you're getting. Um, and I think I just have loved the opportunity 2,500 students later, um, but then also knowing other people on campus of just getting to interact and meet so many different people on campus. And I think that I just have learned so much from their stories and their experiences, their backgrounds, their travels. 
Um, it's really shaped me in these last nine and 10 years and has allowed me to become more gracious and more merciful. It's deepened my own faith. Um, it's brought in my perspective on the world. And um, yeah, it's just given me kind of a, a stability of knowing that like there are just so many good people, you know, and I've gotten the chance to, to meet and know so many. Have there been any funny moments, you know, living in a building with 250 girls at a time? Uh, any funny moments of life in Francis Crawford? Definitely some pranks that I shall not name because I'm not trying to give anybody any ideas. But those first couple of years, you know, I was 21 when I took this job. And those, my sister was actually in my building my first year, which was really sweet. Um, and those girls really gave me a run for my money because they came up with a lot of different things. Um, I've gotten a little bit smarter since then. So, but yeah, I think a couple of funny things I was thinking about was I remember, or I feel like, and this may have happened to someone in this room. I can't remember now, but the best is when you get the the panicked phone call and they're like, I lo- I locked my phone in the washing machine, you know, and it's like, how are we going to get it out? You know, things like that, that I think about. Um, the other thing I thought about was, those first couple of years, people were really into those like wax warmers, like the Scentsy things. And I would get panicked phone calls or knocks on my door and someone would walk in and they'd be like, um, my roommate, you know, it's like, is it you or is it your roommate? You never know. But um, they're like, they poured the hot wax down the sink and now it won't drain. And so then we have to like boil hot water, pour it down the sink, call me, you know, it's like a whole ordeal. Um, but those are the really funny things that I think about. Um, about six years or five or six years ago when the power went out, I like a long time on campus. I think my brother might've been a freshman, but I remember the power went all out and somehow like 25 students showed up at my room. Um, and we just like sat there for like two hours, however long the power was out. So those are the funny things that I think about are those like memories of just like random things happening. So that's fun. I did not know that pouring wax down there would stop up the sink, but that makes sense. Take note, everyone. Don't do, not, do it. Don't do, not do, do it. it. Um, what are some of the hardest things you've had to deal with as a RD working with these students? Yeah, you know, I think over all the years I've been here, I've, you know, I think before I, I before I took this job, I just hadn't really experienced some really heavy mental health things um, with friends leading into all of this and. So I think that that definitely caught me off guard, just some of the really deepest hurts that people feel. Um, and I had friends who had gone through hard things, but it's it, it was on another level when I started this job of stories that I was hearing, experiences that people had had. Um, and so that can just be really tough. And, you know, as an RD, you're consistently and constantly kind of helping people, you're problem solving. I mean, I tell people that's really what I do all day. I just problem solve. Um in, in a situation with students where there isn't anything tangible that I can do, you know, there's really very little for me to physically do for them besides maybe be just a presence, you know, while they're going through something really hard. Maybe that means we've gone to the ER or like to some type of medical visit. Um, maybe that means they just need to come to my room and talk or, you know, watch a show or something to distract themselves. Um, those can really be like some of the tough moments of I've had to really learn how to just be the presence and not work hard to try to come up with a solution. And, um, I've had people in my life who I feel like have really shown me well how to do that. And I've tried and especially the last probably four or five years, I feel like I've learned better how to do that. 
Um, but it can be tough because you want to help and you can see the struggle. You can see the pain and the fear and just everything that's going on in their, in their face and in their demeanor. Um, but you really can't do a lot, you know, and that can be, that can be pretty hard sometimes. So. Yeah. I think one of the things you do really well is help find resources for people too on campus when they just don't know what to do when there's not really much you can do in a situation, um, but kind of help them through the process of, you know, finding that help. Um, you know, most students in here might not realize that it's super unique that all the freshman girls pretty much live in your building and most of the freshman guys live together in community too. Um, why do you think it's an important part of Washtaw that every, you know, person coming in as a freshman, um, as long as they're not commuting and that sort of thing, kind of live in the same spaces and uh, stay together? Yeah, it really is a very special experience. Um, as I've met other RDs at other places, you know, every school does a little bit differently. Um, some have what they call integrated housing, where it's all classes in all buildings, you know. And I hadn't really, I hadn't been to a school, obviously, like that. Um, but I think that for, especially as I was thinking about it, especially your freshman year, there's just so much newness. There's so much you're learning there's an eagerness that you have about being at college for the first time, obviously, or, um, yeah, it's just such a new experience that I think that when you get to live and do it together for at least that one year, it really makes the difference because you have a lot more, um, access to people in that way of like meeting people. Like you can just run down the hall, um, whether you're in flipping parent, OC Bailey, Francis Crawford, you know, all the freshman housing, and you can do that in the other dorms too, but I think there's something special about the the freshman feel, you know, of a building. And yeah, I think that meeting people super easily wouldn't happen as well if you were living maybe with upperclassmen your first year, um, or you might feel a bit maybe more intimidated. Um, so I think that that ease of access is really helpful. Um, I think that it allows you to really experience things together because you are there together. And so much of that first year of college, I feel like is really in the, the late night moments, you know, where you haven't really planned a lot. You're just kind of up and going to Waffle House. And if you kind of had to coordinate with people in all the different buildings, you know, I feel like that could get a little hard, you know, to do. And I think once you're a sophomore, junior, you start to realize you really want to sleep more, um, which the upperclassmen know. You start to feel less inclined that you're just going to up and go to Waffle House at midnight. But there's something really special about that freshman year because you just get to do that really quickly with all your friends. So I don't think I got out of the Waffle House phase. I might still be in it. Um, don't mind going. getting up, going to Waffle House. <laughs> Um, tell us your faith story and uh, how that influences your service here at Washtaw. How does your faith influence that? Yeah. So I feel like this is obviously one of those questions that as I was thinking about it, just could go on and on. But for time's sake, I definitely tried to like pare it down a little. Um, and really just wanted to start by saying that, you know, for me personally, it's like everything I do is flowing like from my faith. And that that's, that's my hope always is that, like what I'm, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it is coming from my relationship with the Lord. And, um, obviously not in every season has that been true or that I'm always loving people the way Jesus loves people. But, um, that is always my hope and my goal. And it's why I'm here. You know, it's why I'm spending all the time investing in students and in people. Um, it's because I want to do that like Jesus has. Um, as far as like my faith journey and faith story, um, I definitely grew up in a very 
you know, blessed and like lucky. Like, I guess I consider it really lucky. My, you know, parents are really strong believers and I went to a really great church. My dad was in the ministry until I was 18. Um, had a lot of people in churches throughout the years who really poured into me. Um, I went to Christian school basically my whole life where I got a lot of foundational like scripture memorization and just a lot of foundational things that I've learned along the years. And I think all those factors really have given me such a strong foundation. Um, I think, you know, I came to know the Lord when I was like younger. Um, and then it probably became really real for me when I was 12. Um, my family went through a really hard year. My dad was living away from us for six months and we lost both of my grandfathers in those, like in those six months, two months apart. Um, we up and moved schools in like the middle of February, which who moved schools in the middle of February. And I was in seventh grade. It's very nice and awkward time of life. Um, so I just, that year was really, really tough. And I just have such vivid and still like strong memories about just feeling really lonely and really kind of lost. Um, and I just had never experienced kind of some of those types of trials before, like in my family. Um, and yeah, and that year was so foundational in my faith. And I think back on it a lot and think about how the Lord, became so real to me. It was, I was deciding that I wanted this relationship with him. It wasn't because of my parents. It wasn't because of anybody like wanting that for me. It was because I wanted it. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to really lay down my life. And, and I was 12, you know, so obviously to some degree you have a certain amount of understanding, but, um, as the years went on and as I came to college and just have had so many people who have, pushed me here at Washita, um, doing campus ministries things, other Bible studies and having life group leaders. And, um, yeah, there's just been so many people in my life, role models, my grandma, who I'll probably talk about in a minute. Um, and yeah, I just, I feel really lucky that I've had so many important mentors. Um, and also just feel like my faith has just really, it's really grounded me so much. And that hasn't meant that it's always obviously been easy, um, or that I haven't questioned or doubted things, but it has been the thing that I know I can always ground, be stabilized in. So. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, your grandma. Tell us about your family history here at Washaw. It kind of dates back quite a while. Tell us about, uh, the other Tigers for Life and your family. So my, the first generation of Pilchers that came to Washita was my grandma. Her name was Jean Justice Pilcher and she graduated in 1948. Um, so she was here a long time ago when Cone Bottoms, she lived in Cone Bottoms when it was still a dorm. And, um, so she came and then my dad came, graduated in the early eighties. My aunt came, graduated in the early eighties. Um, and then none of my older cousins on the Pilcher side, um, came to Washita and then I was the first grandchild. And then my sister and my brother came after me. So it was definitely one of those things where we didn't grow up coming back to Washita very much. I came to a couple of camps in junior high, but, um, it really was my decision. You know, there wasn't a lot of family pressure to come. My Baba, I knew that's what I called her, but she loved Washita. She would sing like the alma mater all the time and things like that. Like I remember, I remember those memories of her, like singing stuff like that. And she would talk about it and how great it was. And, how there were three girls in a room, you know, and like they just sat and chatted all day. So um, when I finally decided to come to Washita, I feel like that was a special moment. And I remember like telling her and she was so excited. 
And um, so, and actually, she's she passed away about six months ago. She died in October, and she was 95. Um, so she lived such a long life. And um, John actually awarded her about, I think that was 2018 or 2019. She had been graduated for 70 years. Um, and so he awarded her like a worthy Washingtonian and she talked about it all the time, which was sweet. So, um, but yeah, I think that now that she's gone, especially there's just something really special that we like shared this together. Um, and that she was so proud of us for, for being here and like loved that we loved it and loved that I stayed. Um, and she was just always, yeah, my number one cheerleader and always asking about Washita and how it was doing. And so that's, that's been really special to have that family tie. And I didn't know until I got here that there were so many legacies. Um, and I, my freshman year, I feel like I had a lot of friends who weren't legacies. They were first time Washita people in their family, but it was cool to meet people along the way who had such strong ties to Washita. So yeah, there's nobody sweeter than Baba and there's no better song than the alma mater. You all know, I mean, it's my favorite song. So um, Hannah, uh, if you could look back to 18 year old Hannah living in Francis Crawford as a freshman, looking back now, what would you tell, what advice would you give 18 year old Hannah in Francis Crawford? I know I did love Francis Crawford even then. <laughs> um, so many things, but the one thing I really would hold on to and would share, which is what I'm sharing now, just, I think the importance of holding things really loosely in your life, um, it's not to say you can't plan for things or to expect things. That's okay. But I think there's a lot to be said when we can hold plans, our material possessions, grievances against people, you know. Um, obviously, there has to be accountability for things, but sometimes I think we can get caught up in some pretty small, I know I can, you know, with certain friends and stuff. Um, and the people that I really think about when I think about holding things loosely is actually the... RD, my freshman year in Francis Crawford, she lived on the east side. So she wasn't actually my RD because I lived on the west side. There were two at that point. But her name was Natasha May, and she was married um, to a guy named Wes. And I had broken my ankle my freshman year and had kind of been in and out because I'd had surgery. Came back, had some friends who were coming to stay with me. And somehow in a random conversation, I can't even remember now, she offered me their apartment to stay with my friends. They were going to be gone for a night. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, like this is, this is really unbelievable that I just, I don't know if I just hadn't felt like I experienced that type of just such real hospitality and generosity of like their home, you know, um, and I guess luckily they were going to be gone, but in some ways I felt like she probably would have said that even if they wouldn't have been. Um, but they have just been such examples to me. Other people through Washita of just being so generous. When I moved back into Francis Crawford after I graduated, I didn't have to buy one piece of furniture because people were just so willing to give me furniture. Um, I was obviously just, yeah, graduated college, didn't have a lot of money. And, um, so I think that those are, that's the advice I would give myself going back is hold things loosely. I kind of had to do that my senior year when things fell through with teaching and um, I'm thankful looking back now that I didn't grasp on so tight because if I had, I probably wouldn't be sitting here and wouldn't have the job that I have if I had felt like I have to hold on to it because that was the plan. Um, and I think I'm thankful now looking back that I had some, some friends encouraging me to just see what else was like, what other options were out there. So. 
Well, some of you may have heard of our Tiger for Life podcast. I know Hannah is a faithful listener. We interview alums and folks on there. And we have this section called Fast Fave Fives, which I told Hannah it should actually be like Fast Five Faves. I've done it wrong for a year. It's fine. No big deal. No one's mentioned We all fail. It's fine. Um, But just so everybody gets to know a little bit more about you on a personal kind of side, um, some of you know that Hannah lives for a good concert. We love our jobs, but we also both really live to go to concerts and go on trips. Um, what's your favorite concert you've been to? Taylor Swift. <laughs> Reputation. I got to be at the Dallas show that's on Netflix. So so better than Pretty the cool. Beebs? I mean, you just went to the Beebs. I just saw the Beebs, and he was amazing. It's a good, but Taylor. But okay. Taylor. All right. Favorite class while you were a student. Did you have a favorite or two? Yes. I, if you have talked to me ever, maybe, I probably have, have told you the one class you should take is interpersonal communication with Dan Jarbo. Um, that class, it has, it, it really did change so much of even my trajectory into this job. I think I learned so much coming into this and it's helped me in friendships and with my family and so many different just practical skills about talking to people. And it sounds so simple, but it's, you have to do it every day. So I just tell people, if you have a block, a three hour block, you should take it. Dan's amazing in that class. Um, and yeah, that's my, that Awesome. Favorite scripture? Do you have like a life verse, a scripture you could share with us today? Yeah. Psalm 27, 14, which actually Maria read from um, the beginning of Psalm 27 um, at the at the beginning. But it's wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. And Psalm 27, when I was, I think, 12 or 13, my mom encouraged my sister and I to memorize our birthday psalm, was what she called it. I'm not really sure where she came up with that. But basically, you memorize the psalm of the day you were born. So I was born on the 27th. So I memorized Psalm 27. I think there's also a bribe in there about paying us maybe to memorize it. So I probably mostly memorized it for that reason. But honestly, the whole passage has just meant a lot to me over the years. David's talking a lot about God being his stronghold and his refuge. And even he even says like, when my father and mother forsake me, like when you're in the lowest of the lows, like he is there. Um, So that passage has meant a lot to me. Awesome. Uh, I know you are a Tunes fan, as am I, obviously. Uh, you love to come to Tunes, love to sneak into a practice and see what's going on. Um, what is a favorite Tunes show that you've seen? So I actually have never been in Tiger Tunes. I, as a student, did OSF for three years and felt like I was able to really be a part of Tiger Tunes, but I've, ever, I've never actually participated. As much as I love Tiger Tunes and could just talk about it all day long, honestly, with John. Um, but I have to give it back to my freshman year, the CM Baptist show, because that was just so special. Even though I wasn't in the show, it was so special to be a freshman and have all your friends winning. And just, I mean, it was so magical. My sweet mate was in it. I had some other really good friends in it. And there was just nothing like that energy that weekend because we were just, I was so amped for them, even though I like wasn't in the show. So. Awesome. All right. One of the perks of being an RD, you get that meal plan. Yes. All right. You get a meal plan to get chick money. It's pretty awesome. Um, what's your favorite calf food? If you see it coming on the, the list, what do you sprint towards the calf for? Favorite calf food? Mostly what I sprint for are the chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so when I walk in the calf, I always go there first. And if there's chocolate chip cookies, I take one with me as I walk around to look and see what's available. Um, I do love when they have barbecue or something like that I love, but honestly, the best calf meal of all time, 
Thanksgiving lunch. It's it cannot be beat. It's hard to beat. It deserves applause. The Thanksgiving meal is definitely tasty. <laughs> well, Hannah, it's been such a joy talking with you today. Um, I wish we had Sonic because that's what we normally uh, yeah. have a conversation over Sonic and talk about Tiger Tunes and fun things. But it's been great to have you here today. Uh, but would you join me in giving a round of applause to Hannah Pilcherson? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.